Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. is Danya Zimmerman. Now, Danya is a business consultant, an aspiring author of several books, and a public speaker. Danya received her Juris Doctorate from the University of Baltimore Law School, and we're going to ask her about that today, and she's a contributing writer with the Maryland Daily Examiner. She's also an active blogger, and she has conducted workshops on business startups and female entrepreneurship. Welcome, Danya Zimmerman. Thank you, Carol, for having me on your radio show. I'm, I'm excited. Good. Well, that's what we all should be all the time, right? <laughs> excited, exactly. excited to share. So that's what this program is all about. So tell us a little bit about yourself growing up. Were you, did you start as an entrepreneur? Were you a little girl that wanted to make money and find new ways to make money? Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, um, I'm the only girl of three brothers. Um, two of my brothers and I, we have the same mother and father. My second brother is from another relationship that my dad had. But the good thing is that um, my dad taught us not to treat my youngest brother like a half-brother Good. We see him as our, as our whole brother. And another funny thing is my mother actually likes my younger brother. Um, so I'm the only girl, and even though I have a brother who's uh, 15 months older than me, my brothers always look to me as the oldest one. Mm-hmm. And I was always treated as the one who had to be the most responsible one. Because my older brother, he's like the wild child of the family. Okay. Yeah, and so and my two youngest brothers, they are both the babies because they're so much younger than me. One is like five. He's supposed to be six years younger than me. And the other one is about 13 years younger than me. And as the only girl, I was always taught to be responsible. I was always taught I had to do the housework. Like my older, my brothers, they could get away with anything they wanted to. Like, for example, on Easter, I was a tomboy because I grew up around a bunch of boys. I was not allowed to, like on Easter, my brothers could throw their suits and vest off, you know, on Easter and run around. I had to sit there and be the pretty girl. <laughs> so it was like I always had to be the responsible one. So that's where my entrepreneurial spirit came from, because I always was trying to find ways to make money, because when my grandmother my mom decided at a young age that she could no longer handle me and my um, brothers. 
So she talked to my dad's mother, my paternal grandmother, and asked her, could she take us? We thought we were just going there for the summer. We didn't know we would be living with her. She gave up custody. Really? And my my grandmother was raising my other three my other three male cousins that I have. So it was like five boys and one girl in the household. And so a lot, the, the, the dynamics changed because she had to spend quality time with us. She had to make sure we had a roof over our head, food in our mouths. So we all took, found ways to make money, especially me and my older brother. We found ways to make money. So I started babysitting in the neighborhood because I grew up in Baltimore City in a working class family, you know, working class neighborhood and all the neighbors looked out for you. And whenever the single moms needed a babysitter, I would watch their kids and I would charge five dollars per child per day. So and then my grandmother, she said, you're making all this money. You're going to open a bank account. So she, I was like 13, 14, and I had a bank account, and she made me put my money in that bank account. So if I wanted to get my hair done a certain way, if I wanted to go to the hairdresser, um, she would take me to the bank to take money out. Because she always made sure that I looked my best since I was her girl. I was the only grand, I was the only <laughs> granddaughter at that time. I'm the oldest granddaughter on both sides. So you know how you moms are with your daughters. We have to look presentable. We're like an extension of you. And so, uh, and my, my aunt, you know, we're burying her tomorrow. Unfortunately, she died unexpectedly. She helped raise me too. She was like my big sister because she was only 13 years older than me. She was my confidant and my best friend. And I used to watch her, how she would go out there and take a job after job to help my grandmother to help us out. And, you know, my dad and uncle were there, but my aunt Emily and my grandmother were the main ones who really took care of us. She made sure she let me wear her clothes when I was in high school. I didn't want for nothing because a lot of people complain, oh, my parents didn't do this. But for me, by me being the oldest girl, oldest granddaughter, I was blessed to have enough of everything. How did did that make you feel when when you found out that your mother gave up custody? um, It kind of hurt me um, because later on, when I was in my 20s, it was like she only came, really came involved in my life when I went to law school. It was like after my grandmother raised me and did all of this, I was still this 12-year-old girl trying to make her love me like a mother should love a daughter and right. I was so excited she wanted to live with me and we lived together for 10 years but I realized that the only reason why she wanted me around was to take care of her and oh. it kind of hurt me when I had lost my house I had a beautiful house I had lost my car I had to let my law practice go because of mismanagement of the law practice and I hired the wrong employee and at the end of the day you as a as the attorney and the owner of the business, you have to take the blank. And at the end of the day, I had to say, yes, I screwed up and I had to let my practice go. And so how did that, how did that um, affect you? Like how what kind of coping skills did you have 
to be able to handle that and to uh, have you ever gone back and and pursued it again um you ever heard of a praying grandmother or mother if it wasn't for my grandmother i had to come back home okay and currently i live with my grandmother and it, it was the best move i ever made and i had to go through therapy my dad helped me a lot he told me where I needed to go to retrain myself to get my skills up to par for the 21st century. Because when I started out in the 20, you know, 2000, and then 12 years later, things change. Business is totally right, different. Right. So I had to figure out what could I use my law degree. And my grandmother said, Donnie, you can do anything you want with that education. Why do you think I was so hard on you? in undergrad and law school because I knew that one day you will be high on a ladder and then you will fall back down. And even though you fell back down, you have a foundation, which is your education, your your common sense, your street smarts, and your family. And a good thing, she said, you have no kids. You're a single woman. You can make it. You can stay here as long as you want to, as long as you're pushing yourself and doing something. I won't bother you. But if I see that you're not doing what you're supposed to do with what you have, then I'll say something. And that's what it got me through was my grandmother praying for me, going to church with us, spending time with my church family and, you know, seeking therapy. Because sometimes you have to go talk to somebody who is not a friend, who is not a family member, someone who can give you criticism and an opinion from a third party perspective. What I have found is that most people that go through any kind of uh, trauma or hurdles in their life can take that and use that to help somebody else. Did you find this to be true with you? Exactly, because when I was deciding what I wanted to do, because when I was a lawyer, I was a bankruptcy attorney and family law attorney, and it felt like I was destroying people, people losing their houses. People having to file for bankruptcy because they lost their job, a high medical bill. And then in the family, they're fighting over the children. They're fighting over pets. They're fighting over property. I said, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to build people up. I got tired of tearing people down. So I decided to become a mediator, a certified mediator. And I decided to become a certified um, business consultant. I became a certified mediator through the community mediation of Prince George's County, Maryland. They have a program where if, you know, they'll give you the training, you just got to do free mediation. And that's what I've been doing through them. I do my mediation for free. I volunteer. And with the business consulting part, I took courses through the Women's Entrepreneurs of Baltimore Incorporated, they're no longer in business, but that's how I got my certification. I took classes through the Small Business Administration, you know, to get certified. And I took classes through the Small Business Development Center as well um, to become certified as a business consultant. And I had to figure out what can I do, what niche can I pick. And the niche I saw was that people were helping people as a business consultant to grow their business, but it really wasn't nobody out there to help people in the startup phase. With oh, the excellent. LLC, excellent. With the nonprofit, with the minority business certifications, ensuring that people have their dream team, which consists of a bank accountant, a bookkeeper, I mean, a banker, a bookkeeper, accountant, attorney, um, insurance agent. You know, that's the dream right, team that right, you need. Right. 
And that's when I that's the niche that I saw to help people with startups. And with the what type of uh, businesses do you use your mediation uh, services? Well, the funny thing for the mediation, that's mainly teenagers and their parents. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's okay. Okay. To teach them how to communicate with each other. About 75% of my clients are mother and daughter. Um, mainly 50, yeah, mother and daughters. That, and, I, and I can relate to that. You know, not having a close relationship with my mother. Right. I try to teach mothers and daughters how to communicate with each other. And sometimes we have fathers and daughters, fathers and sons, or the parents and the children. It's mainly that dynamic. And when I do, like the 25%, when I do get businesses, it's usually small businesses that have a dispute with somebody with a contract where they didn't fulfill their contract okay, okay. or a client didn't pay them. And instead of them going to court, they come to me and say, hey, can we resolve this? And also, um, I'm going to be um, starting classes to, to show small businesses how small how conflict resolution workshop, how conflict resolution can save them money. So I plan to do a workshop like that on a yearly basis. And one workshop that I do that I started last year that I'm trying to do on a yearly basis is how to stay out of tax trouble and legal trouble with a small business. It went great last year, but I had to, you know, you know how sometimes you got to take a step back and redo your marketing plan. And that's what I had to do. So this year, that course will be Instead of having it in February, it'll be given in September. Well, you sound like a woman with a mission, and that's that's great. You know exactly where you're going, and, and you're helping people along the way. You're using your skills and your experience. That's wonderful. Now, I'm assuming that part of this uh, background that you have is what you're using to write your books. You have five books in the works. Uh, can you tell us about them individually, what each one is going to be about? I sure can. One book is Entrepreneurship 101. I kind of got lazy on that one, but I'm going to get back back on track with that. That's going to be the textbook that I plan to use, that I'm developing a workshop for people who want to start their own business. It's going to be like a six to eight week workshop where after they're finished with the workshop, they will have their LLC, they will have any certifications completed, they will have their business plan done, their marketing plan, they will have their dream team ready. So that's still in the development. And the Entrepreneurship 101, that will be the textbook that I will use for that course. You know, like, we'll be talking about how to start up your business, why it's important to have an accountant and attorney, what, why it's important to have insurance, why it's important to have a retirement plan, a succession plan for your insurance. And I plan to have different experts come in each, you know, right, certain right. classes to talk about. And also, you know, also I want to do more social media like you, what you do, why, how to advertise your business when you're starting out on a shoestring budget, like to do radio guest spots. But, you know, people sure, looking, sure. radio shows are looking for guests and you can always advertise that way. So that's the bulk of Entrepreneurship 101. It will be the textbook that I will use for my eight-week course for people who want to start their business. And then I have daily devotionals 
for small business owners. And the reason why I did the daily devotionals, because our daily bread and my dad's church has devotionals that they use. They got me through the rough spots of my life. And I noticed that you have all of these self-help books for small business owners, but it was nothing on a spiritual level. You know, like daily devotionals, like sometimes what do you do? You're feeling down. So that's why I did the daily devotionals. Then I have a daily devotional that I'm working on that's strictly for female entrepreneurs because it's a different dynamics for us women because we have to deal with a husband. We have to deal with children. It's a lot more, not to say that being a male entrepreneur is not difficult, but being a female entrepreneur, it's a little more difficult to me as a woman to be because you still got the old boys club networks. Um, and now we're starting, like they said, females are the number one entrepreneurs and small business owners in the 21st century now. So that was the reason why I did that daily devotional. And then I have the small business owner tips that I'm working on. And with that book, it's just to give you little tips that you can use on a daily basis. So that's a series of books where, you know, like why like I may have on why is it important to have life insurance when you're a small business owner? Why is it important to have health insurance? Because as small business owners, we forget about our health and we forget about what happens when we're gone. So that's what the small business owner tip It's just little tidbits that I got from classes Good. and seminars Good. and workshops that I took. I always write them down. When they say something amazing, I write it down. And then the last book is to have how to create, how to use your mind to make your dreams a reality. And that deals with creating an inner strong willpower. And with that book, that's funny, Carol, how I got to do that book. I was supposed to ghostwrite a book for somebody on willpower. So I wrote the book and they didn't like it. And so I said, okay, well, if you don't like the content, I said, you know, they said it's yours. It's your content. I don't want it. I don't like it. So that's how that book came about. (laughs) And that's the how to book to, you know, get the willpower to do whatever you want, rather it's to start your own business, to go back to school, anything, anything, dream that you've had and you've been putting it on a back burner for a long time. So what is your secret to getting the willpower that you need to do that? My secret is um, having a spiritual base, rather it be yoga, Buddha, um, you know, Muslim beliefs or God. I believe I'm a Christian, so I believe in God. And you got to have a connection spiritually with someone who can guide you. And also another thing about willpower, you need to align yourself with people who will give you the strength that you need in order to do what you have to do. I believe and that. You, and you should pick someone who's not always going to agree with everything you say. That's pick someone point. who's going to say who can give you good, honest criticism, because a lot of times we align ourselves with people who agree with everything that we say. Sometimes you have to align yourself with people who don't agree with everything you have to say, and they can give you the opposite viewpoint. Well, you want an honest critique. Yes, exactly. And um, now you also said that you're going to be conducting workshops. And what kind of venues are you going to be doing your workshops? Are they going to be online? Um, 
Um, I'm learning the online thing to do the webinars. I've been taking courses on how to do that. And I volunteer, you know, there's, you know, especially Facebook, people are always looking for speakers and presenters. So I had my first two online presentations that I have to do. One is how to, um, one is how to market your business on the shoestring budget. Cause I did a blog on that. And another one is how to prepare yourself for the right job. So I'm working on those right now. So I'm taking some courses on how to do the webinars. And I'm also, you know, attending other people webinars to see what they do, how they use their slides, their presentations, so that I can learn how to do it properly. Excellent. And, um, but for me, sometimes I like to do the workshops live because I'm a people person and I like to meet people. But um, I'm going to do it live. And because um, someone told me you can actually do videos on Google now, Google and YouTube. So I'm going to do both. I'm a videotape the you know, the workshops and I'm going to try to figure out how I can if nobody can attend in person, how they can attend, you know, via computer. Right, right. So that's your goal for this coming year to finish your books and to get yeah. more workshops happening and yeah. just to help people along the way. And uh, yeah. there's lots of tips, I'm sure, in each of these books. They, they all sound very interesting. And I especially like the first one. I think that there will be many listeners that would appreciate just a basic course, a, a 101, and how they can get their business started and what precautions to take and what steps to take. So that's excellent. Now I'll have all this information on the show notes when you get the, um, you know, the, the, the page that will have all this information along with this podcast on it. And I certainly hope that there'll be lots of people that will tap in and, um, you know, want to connect with you. That's what it's all about is connections. And the world, as you said, is, is so small now that we have the Internet as our main connection. So there'll be many opportunities, I hope, for you. And it sounds like you're a very busy lady and you've had some events in your life that have given you strength. I applaud you. My hat is off to you. You've, you're a take-charge kind of gal. Is that how you would um, describe yourself? Yes, it took me a long time to be like that, Carol. I'm a very shy, I was a very shy person. And my grandmother and my dad and my mom said, you can't be like that if you want to be an attorney. Because I was kind of a passive attorney. Okay. And I had one client told me, Ms. Zimmerman, you can't be like that. You know your stuff. Do not allow my husband's attorney to talk to you like that. And I learned how to be aggressive. Good for but you. But then I say, yeah. At the same time, my aggressiveness, aggressiveness kind of took over, Carl, because when I first started doing radio guest spots, I sounded angry. Oh. And my dad was like, I listened, I listened to one of your guest spots and you sounded mad. You sounded upset. And he was right. So as I started doing the guest spots, I started listening to myself and critiquing myself and letting other people critique them. And they said, Donnie, you got to get rid of that angry attorney mode. You know, you're not, you don't have no adversary. Everybody's your friend. So I noticed that as time go on, my voice gets softer. It gets, it's more monotone. 
and I sound um, my message is being relayed a whole lot better than an angry businesswoman. And I didn't want to look, sound like that. I wanted to be the powerful businesswoman and powerful but positive at the same time. And I noticed I've gotten better. My dad said, yeah, I listened to one of your shows and it sounded like two different women. Isn't that interesting? Well, it's also good that um, you have people around you, like you said, that won't just uh, make you feel good, but also point out things that you need to change. And uh, that that sounds excellent. So I I'm I'm happy for you. <laughs> I'm happy for myself because people then don't want to have you on their show. They're like, she's too angry. <laughs> oh, but you need that in the courtroom, though, don't you? Oh, you cannot be soft toned, especially with the male attorneys. No, no, I'll take that back, Carol. It's the female attorneys. Oh, really? It's like we're battle. Yeah, because we're because we're a small breed. It's a, only a small percentage of female right, attorneys, right. and we feel like we have to do the, you know, cat fight, meow. Right, like, work harder. So what, meow? I don't want to agree with you. I don't agree with that. And then it takes the judge to say, hey, you two need to settle this. Your clients came to me and said that y'all bickering over silly little things. And like I had to tell one client one time, I said at the end of the day, you can't take your client's problems home with you. So you can't get mad at me. I say, why can't we do lunch? We're friends. We don't have to discuss the case. I never take my client's problems home with me. Good. I had to learn that. And I told her, don't do that. And I said, if we sit down and have a little lunch, a little dinner, maybe we can take a step back and then come back tomorrow and say, hey, this is how we can solve this. This is how we can settle this case. I had to tell one attorney that. And then after that, we, we are still friends to this day. Well, he saw a strength in you and appreciated that. So that's good. Well, thank you very much, Danya, and we look forward to hearing more good things. And and on, like I said, on your page will be the show notes and also where they can purchase your books. And so you can share that with me as they come become available, and we can update your page. And I appreciate your time today and the encouragement that you gave our listeners, and the books that we will be looking forward to. So thank you. I appreciate that, Danya. And um, thank you, Carol, for having me on. And as soon as I produce the books, you will get a free copy. Oh, thank you so much. That's very, very kind of you. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.